0: Hey, Adam Smolcombe here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. It's an honor to be bringing the word to all of you this morning. Uh, I'm very, very excited. I'm expecting for what God wants to do in our time together. I know though, and I wanna say this before I even get into the word, that uh, God let me know very early on um, when I started preaching and communicating His gospel that I don't have the ability to change people. I really don't actually really believe that. And it's not that I can't honor God through my preparation, but I find it so amazing how I could preach the same message and 30 different people can walk up to me after the same message and get something different. And, And that's because the Holy Spirit is the minister. And I just want some people to know in here, I'm not preaching my revelation. Uh, it's nothing new under the sun. I'm not preaching a concept that I came up with. This is God's message. This is His story. And He has good plans for every single one of you. So I pray that you would go beyond even encountering what I say, but I would just be an echo to the voice and you would hear the voice of God for you. Uh, with that being said, I have a divine understanding because I've been in the church world for quite some time, nearly a decade of my life, that uh, we cannot get to where God wants to take us. Let as we submit to leaders who are taking us there and we see this principle throughout Scripture and uh, I am so blessed and I mean this and I am privileged to say that we vibe church get to be under the leadership of pastors Adam and Kara Smallcomb our lead and global worship pastors they're off the chain I thought some of y'all would get a little bit more excited from I'm very serious I mean they are the best of the best we're very blessed here with them and they are not here today, but they send their love and their affection. I was actually texting Pastor Kira and uh, man, they just love this church so much. And uh, I always, always, I will not step foot in this pulpit ever and I give honor where honor is due. It's truly beautiful to see how God is working. Well, we've been in a collection of call- talks called Yes, No, Maybe. Let's just get straight into this because my time is already ticking, y'all. Uh, yes, No, Maybe. And what we've been really unpacking is how to discern the voice of God. We've been unpacking how do we discern God's will that has been revealed in scripture, but also is being revealed in each of us individually and what do we do when we're feeling maybe what do we do when we're feeling yes and what do we do when we're feeling no and I really want to unpack the yes today when God speaks what do we do with what do we do with God's voice when he says yes when he does speak and I want to get into that today so if you have your Bibles you can open them up to John chapter 2 and we are going to rock if you don't have them they'll be on the screen behind me shout out to the production team love you (laughs) what we sound where would that come from all right on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Shout out to Mary. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. Now, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, I love it. He said, woman, what does this have to do with me? I'll tell you what, if I would have said that to my mama, she's here, woo, it would have been over. Um, woman, what does this have to do with me? Clean your room. What does it have to do with me, woman? All right, <laughs> my hour has not yet come. Now his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And when they filled them up to the brim, he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. Now when the master of the feast tasted the water that now became wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. How many know that the best is yet to come with Jesus? The first will be last and the last will be first, that our best days are ahead of us, but you have kept the good wine until now. Now this is the first of his signs. Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And I love this conclusion. And after this, his disciples believed in him. I wanna speak to y'all simplistically from the topic today, do what Jesus says. I could say no more. I could walk off and be like, let's go back to worship. Have a great Sunday. Do what Jesus says. Uh, but I, I want to have a subtitle today. I, I also want to speak on the topic wine issues. Wine issues. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, bless the word. Amen. Let's rock. Quick prayers are the best prayers. Hallelujah. Oh, amen. Thank you for that. Good. Um, in light of Mother's Day, I think it's essential that I talk about my bride and the first time I won her over. It was a process. It was a process, people. Take it back to like 2012, 2013, great years, formative years. And I asked my wife on a date over pho. I said, look, I know God heaven, truth. I took her to pho. Come on, where my people at? Let's go. Yeah. Love. Pho-tang-nam. I wasn't playing. Took my girl out to get some pho. And I literally said to her, I'm like, I don't want you to talk for the next 10 minutes. And I gave her my soliloquy. I was like, it's you. Stop playing. You know, and we had a great conversation. The next day, we went to Sato Sushi. It's no longer there. May she rest in peace. And um, then we went to go see Paranormal Activity. Now, I don't recommend that, Vox Jen. I just needed to show her a dominion over the demons. That's all it was. She's was moving in close. I was speaking in tongues. Key, yada, ba, 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 know, was, <laughs> I'm kidding, kind of. And uh, so we, we got a little snuggly. Then the next day, we had like three straight days of beauty. I took her to Starbucks. I'll never forget. She was having some type of latte. I was having my, my black coffee with a little bit of almond milk. Season of the game. Shout out to San Jose State and Stanford athletes. Love you both. Um, yes, San Jose State, okay. Um, love you both. Love you both. But the, but the short story is, uh, I remember it was that time, y'all. Come on, y'all been there, young love? It's time for us to kiss. It was that time. And, and again, y'all understand, contextually, I'm 20 years old. I was a baby. It was 10 years ago, so I don't want anybody judge me for what I said. I have zero regrets, though. But there's just times where you got to shoot your shot. And what I mean by shoot your shot, you just got to full send it. No hesitation. No wondering. As a matter of fact, I'll even take it a step further, man. I deeply, deeply appreciate people who don't play games and don't pull punches. Now, I'm not saying be rude, but I deeply appreciate people who don't play games and don't pull punches. They're like, this is what it is. So she had the look in her eye. I see it every day. We were sitting across each other. It was evening, summer, wind was blowing. I looked at her dead in the eye and I said these words. And I quote, gimme those lips. I see, I see the Stanford athletes judging me. Don't. Hey, it still works. God might have some. Okay, okay. Yeah. I did. I said, I said, give me those lips. Of course she abided. She did. Had her first kiss and it was epic. Like, guys, I, I had tinkles after we kissed. Ooh. It was epic. Now, I tell that story to once again say I can appreciate People who full send it, who don't play games and don't pull punches. Sometimes it just has to be said very, very clearly. Which brings me to the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now... In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we got four disciples of of Jesus who are telling the story of Jesus consistently but also differently from their perspective and their experience. And Matthew has a perspective where he focuses on the lineage of Jesus. You open up Matthew 1, whoo, quite a read. You're gonna read a lot of names that you probably don't know how to pronounce. And, And what he's really doing is he's actually showing us prophetically that Jesus came from the lineage that it was said that he was going to come from by the prophets. And what's awesome about it is it includes It includes prophets, it includes priests, but also prostitutes. I mean, it was a line of people that led to Jesus coming. I like Matthew, but don't prefer his gospel. Come with me to Mark, though. Mark's cool. Most people, most scholars believe that that John St. Mark actually transcribed the book of Mark from Simon Peter. Most scholars believe that this is actually Simon Peter's book. And you can imagine, Simon Peter's explosive. He's the big personality. So what does he do? He's like, let's just get straight to the miracles. The beginning of Jesus's ministry. Matthew is the beginning of Jesus's lineage. Uh, lineage and my dude, uh, Peter, it's the beginning of his ministry. But let's go to Luke. Now, most people don't know this, maybe, but, but Luke actually didn't follow Jesus. Luke, Luke was actually funded by a guy by the name of Theophilus to literally go to the witnesses and the apostles of Jesus to chronologically st- tell the story of the king. So it's the most chronologically accurate book out of the four Gospels. It's in order. It's beautiful. It's great. And we start really at the birth of Jesus. You know, it's the process of Jesus coming into the world. But my man, John, ooh, I love John because John's not pulling punches when it comes to Jesus. He didn't focus on the lineage. Nah, he, he, he didn't focus on the ministry side of things in the beginning. Nah, he would get there, though. He didn't even necessarily focus on the birth. didn't even talk about it. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 1, he opens it up and he starts in eternity with, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God and the word put on flesh and began to dwell amongst us. He actually went to the one who began the beginning, spoke to the triune power of the second person of the Trinity Jesus Christ himself, wanted to present the reality that Jesus stepped out of the infinite realm and entered our finite time wanted to connect the fact that he stepped out of eternity and into this time lapse and he took on flesh and bone and skin but he was unlike any other according the Hebrews he was the second Adam the one who would lead us back into the garden that we could not be in because of our sin and reconcile us back to God and he says some iconic phrases in John chapter 1 things like the law came through Moses but grace and truth came through the son things like oh in him Jesus was the light of man and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not comprehend it I mean he's like it's Jesus not only humanity but divinity my God, I tell you what, I thought y'all be a little bit more rowdy about that. I was preaching that thing backwards and forwards, but anyway, we'll get there. It's just a warm up. I mean, I'm sweating already. Come on, people. Um, so he gets into this like divine moment of Jesus is God. Now, when we move forward throughout John's gospel, he only records eight miracles of Jesus. Now, the reason why this is essential for our understanding is at the end of John's book, he literally says, and I paraphrase, not quoting, paraphrase, he pretty much says, look, if we were to calculate all the miracles that Jesus did in his time on earth, there wouldn't be enough books to fill the whole earth. And so him picking eight is a really big deal. Like the thousands of miracles that he very, very much likely saw in Jesus' three and a half years of ministry, he only picks eight. So, What's kind of strange to me, contextually, and even chronologically in the way that John goes about the ministry of Jesus, is that he starts with divinity in chapter 1. He's the God-man. It's him, divine, always has been, will forever be. And then John chapter 2, he's like, so there was this party. (laughs) Wait a minute, John. A party? A wedding? Like... If I'm writing this, i am be like, yeah. And then there was this guy named Lazarus. He was dead. He said, get up. Lazarus was like, ah. So not what he does. He doesn't start with blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, and his eyes being opened. He doesn't start with the man with leprosy who fell on his knees and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He doesn't even start with the feeding of the 5,000, greatest fish fry in all of human history. He doesn't start with that. He's like, actually, out of the eight miracles I'm going to, out of the thousands of miracles, the first one of the eight is Jesus at a wedding in Cana? Why, John? You just spoke to his divinity, but now we're looking at something that on the surface doesn't really seem like that big of a deal but I would submit the reason why John did this in the midst of his divinity being very real is that John was showing us the beautiful thing about Jesus is not only the fact that nothing is too big it's also that nothing is too small it's not just the big areas of your life it's the little things believe it or not and so Jesus is in downtown Cana at a wedding. Now, I love Jewish culture, especially back then. We should bring this back. I mean, weddings were like seven or eight days long. I mean, they were turning up for seven or eight days. They would usually start on Wednesday, and they would, they would end the following Wednesday or the following weekend. Like, it was a celebration, and it was festive. People who knew you were bringing gifts and, and money and affluence, and the way that you would accommodate was primarily through the wine. The wine was a very, very big deal. It was huge. And so Jesus was very likely in relation to these people. Um, I would submit that he definitely was. I think that's factual because he was invited. And Canaan was about three or four miles from the town of Nazareth. This isn't a large wedding. Likely maybe 100 plus people were at this celebration. And, and while they're into the, the festive, some scholars believe they're about two or three days in. It's the weekend. Suddenly it dawns on the host that uh, we ain't got no more wine. Now, that, that's a problem in that culture. The reason why it was a problem in that culture is it showed a lack of preparation, and, and they would shame you. Like, that would forever mark you if you ran out of wine at your wedding. Like, like no, for real. So they see you, be like, oh, yeah, your marriage is great, but the wedding, though? Come on, they were that auntie or that uncle, that Theo or that Thea. You're like, yeah, I know your kids are beautiful, but where's the wine? <laughs> Walking to their house five years later, oh, my gosh, wonderful. Do you have wine this time? Are you gonna serve? You know, like it just it just wasn't a very good look because wine was used as a means of connection and celebration and beauty and even the jews in the old testament they would offer specific wine their best wine unto god as a sacrifice so it even had a supernatural and a sacred sacred principle to it so you running out of wine was a really bad look it means you didn't prepare you didn't think through it and these people are bringing you all these gifts and you can't even keep up with the wine now what's interesting is this ain't jesus's problem and what Mary does is she invites Jesus into the chaos. Mama comes up and she says to her baby boy, who happens to be the son of God, she says, there's no more wine. I love Jesus. He says, Woman. I don't advise this. Then a God. He says, Woman. What, what, is this? what does this have to do with me? You know it's not my time yet. The time that he was referencing was the moment where he would step into his full-time ministry, which was about a -a three-and-a-half-year window that God had predetermined and preordained for his life. He's like, this isn't my window yet, Mom. It's not time to put this on display. And Mama is such a gangster that she supersedes the Son of God and almost sees him as her son. She just looks at the servant, do whatever he tells you to do. Now, what's interesting to me, just a few things about how the miraculous works. What's interesting to me is that she looks to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. That's weird because I thought she would have looked to Jesus and said, do what you need to do. Get us some wine. Why did she go straight to the servants? I would submit that this woman who walked with her son for over 30 years, who saw him birthed by the spirit of the living God, understood that people are always connected to the process of a miracle. That people are to be included in the miraculous or a miracle coming forth. Just so you know, Jesus could have brought fresh wine from heaven. He could have do it however he wanted. But Mary understood, no, when it comes to the miraculous, people play a part in the miraculous coming forth. And so she looks to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Notice, it seems that Mary has a sense in knowing the lordship of her son. It seems she has a sense that uh, it may not make sense. So whatever he says, go with the flow. It may be counterintuitive to how you think wine should be made. It may be counterintuitive to how you think relationships are done. Don't have sex before marriage. It may be counterintuitive to what the culture is saying. I'm, no, I, got, I can only preach 30 minutes. I'll stop, I promise. Okay, um, it may be counterintuitive. So she's like, whatever he says, do it. So the servants are like, okay. Sounds good enough. And Jesus instantly makes the scene weird. He's like, take these ceremonial jars that are, means, that are used as a means for physical purification. In other words, this is the place where they would wash themselves. Ew, ew. VoxGen, God bless you. Ew. I smelled you up front, but ew during worship. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Puberty's tough, I'm kidding, okay. Too far, okay. Is that too far? I'm sorry. Pastor Adam will be back next week. Okay, so. But seriously, this is, this is these are jars that are used to wash. And Jesus instantly says something, again, counterintuitive. He's like, what I want you to do is I want you to fill them up to the brim with water. John lets us know that each one held anywhere from 20 to 30 gallons of water. Now, what that means is that there was likely at least 120 gallons That needed to be filled up to 180 gallons of water to fill these things. So what I want us to understand is that this was a long process. This isn't a time where you put it under the faucet. You turn it on and you wait. No. They very likely had to go to a well that was within the town. Or a river that that was within proximity to the town. So what I'm saying is that these massive, massive jars. To get them filled. It took work and it took time. It took work. And it took time. Some scholars believe that this work took an upwards of 8 to 12 hours to see them filled. Now, this is where I really start preaching. So there's these huge basins in your imagination that need to be filled. It's very likely that it took two to three people just to carry one down to where the river was. Now, the river or the well could be a mile out from the city. We really don't know. But when they got there, they had to either pump or drop And Phil, 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 toiling, working in order to get wine that Jesus said he would provide. Now, I have to believe, because they were humans, that there was someone in the group who was like, this is insane. This isn't how water, this isn't how wine's made. We don't even have any grapes. Mary. But the words of Mary, do whatever he tells you to do. Now, what I want to submit to every one of us Is that we could be critical of these servants potentially. But I can relate to the servants. Because many of us want the miracle to happen quickly. So we think, oh man, I've been attending church for a month. And I'm not in leadership yet. Well, Pastor Chase, you don't know I can sing. I, I, I can sing and I i went through my little tryout and now they got me rapping chords? But, but Chase, you, you don't understand. I've been tithing for three months. Wait, we're getting another building? I thought we just had vision. I... Come on, come on now. And then what we do, they're like, you know what? Maybe Jesus didn't say what he said in his word. Now, maybe Jesus has a different plan, a different way that the church should be built. Maybe Jesus has a different way how marriage should operate. Maybe Jesus has a different plan for dating. Maybe Jesus has a different plan for generosity. Maybe Jesus has a different plan for the tithe. Maybe Jesus has a different plan for community. Maybe Jesus has a different plan. So rather than being consistent, and having integrity built up in the mundane. We're like, I want a different word. I don't like this word. God, I want something else. And sometimes, look, disclaimer, I think God is doing a new thing. I I think God is speaking new things. But I think oftentimes, especially in our society, and in the Western world, and in a Western culture, we want God's will that is being revealed but we don't, got, we don't want God's will that has already been revealed in Scripture. And so the word gave a word. That's a trip. The word gave a word. Do whatever he tells you. John just said he's the word. He's been at the beginning. He began the beginning. The word gave a word. And the word was fill it up. And the job of these men's was to not provide the wine. Their job was to do what Jesus told them to do. Fill it to the top. Now, 170 to 180 gallons means over a thousand bottles of wine if it was that much. We're talking about excess. We're talking about overflow. We're talking about way more than, than than is necessary for the current party that is there. But I tell you what will stop you from getting wine when you wine. Some of y'all are making the wrong kind of wine in your soul. What hinders the wine is when you wine. We got some wine issues in the church. Wow. I'm a priest of y'all. All right, second service, I'm coming for y'all. <laughs> we got some wine issues in the church and the wine I'm referencing isn't the miraculous power of God. It's the saints complaining. How is it ever worked out theologically when the saints complain? Wow. Here, I said use me and I feel so used. <laughs> He's using me. What's so beautiful about God is that he doesn't call these servants to do it alone, plural. Sometimes you need that one crazy Christian. There's a lot of them at Vibe Church. You need that one crazy Christian that's like, yeah, I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. Won't he do it? He said he would. You need that one crazy believer who will be like, if God said it, he'll do it. If we do our part, God will do it. So we're going to keep coming to church. We're going to keep worshiping. We're going to keep tithing. We're going to keep trusting. We're going to keep serving. We're going to do our part and believe that the wine is coming. I don't know how, but if he said it, I, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Look at your neighbor and say, I believe it. Oh come on! Stir up this atmosphere. Find another neighbor, the one that looks awkward. Say, "I believe it." And I hope I'm so thankful that we're that church. We're that church. Our church is inspiring other churches in this valley. I'm so thankful that we're that church. Where people are in the Bay Area, most unchurched region, we're like, "There's wine here. Oh, we gonna we gonna build the thing out? This is what we do. This is our mantra." And so what do they do? It's beautiful. They, they don't want the wrong wine. They want the right wine. And so they, they fill it up to the brim hours and hours later. And they, they take it. And then Jesus is like, cool. And he says, take the water. Wait a minute. Time out. This is another faith step. Don't miss the text. He specifically says, take the water. to the host. He said take the water cuz it's still water. Wow. Imagine the awkwardness of wait, take the water? Right. Right. Wow. right. right. Take the water. Now I don't know when it Transitioned or when the wine transformed, there's a lot of different perspectives on that. I don't think I'm scholarly enough to know when exactly it happened. I wasn't there, but I know that at some point from them carrying the water and it getting to the host, it turned. And the host has a revelation, he's like, Wait a minute, this isn't how things should be. This is good stuff. You actually saved the best for last. Now, what I would love to say to each of you is that regarding this beautiful, beautiful miracle, that it was only about the bridegroom and their party and their reputation. And I definitely believe that Jesus cared about that. But I would submit that this miracle that was happening wasn't just for the bridegroom. It wasn't just for, so that the wedding could keep going. It's deeper. In the same way I would submit that the miracle that God does in your life, that it's bigger than you. I don't even go as far to say that it includes you, but it's not about you. Because people saw this miracle and the people that saw this miracle weren't even a part of it happening. And those people are found in verse 11, it's the disciples. John says, yeah, this first miracle, this is the first of his signs. Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested what? His glory. Man, we gotta get that right. His fame, his reputation, his weight, his deity. He says, yeah, it's about him. And then uh, a very, very small group of words come together. He says, and his disciples believed in him. The servants were the ones who brought the miracle to fruition in partnership with Christ. And little did the servants know that the disciples were watching. John was like, No, you don't understand. I saw the host's face. No, you don't understand. I saw them fill those jars with water. I saw it saw the water turn into wine the miracle had nothing to do with me but I got to partake of it I didn't even get this in first service Pastor Michelle John drank the wine John drank the wine he tasted and saw that the Lord is good Church, may the world And I say the world intentionally because our church is called to the world. Taste and see that the Lord is good through the wine that is produced through the saints, the miraculous power of God moving through the earth, through men and women that are called to do extraordinary things. And I know it seems like water, but it takes one moment for it to be transformed, for your life to become a living testimony of the faithfulness of our God because eye has not seen, ear has not heard it has not even entered into our hearts what God has planned for the church of Jesus Christ so I came to tell some people keep digging, keep drawing water keep pouring, keep believing keep praying for those family members keep giving, keep serving, keep worshiping keep giving God everything you got don't stop don't stop don't stop don't stop church no 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 don't stop do not stop when the doctor says cancer don't stop when the bills aren't coming in don't stop when things are rising up against you don't stop when culture is rising up against you don't stop when your family's in disarray don't stop keep praying keep standing yeah because I got a city that needs to taste and see It's bigger than you. you got a family that needs to taste and see. you got co-workers that need to taste and see. We got generations that need to taste and see Vox gen. you got schools that need to taste and see the wine in you, the flow in you, the power in you taste and see that the Lord is good. So, is it wine yet I don't know I can't control the wine all I can do is what he said Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't want to miss any of it, I would encourage you go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.